Hey man, here we go. One more Dominion Sonship Life coming to you. And today I will be speaking from a portion of scripture that is really one of the most Christian messages we have ever heard, which is really the truth. But I felt the Lord somersault me and shake me up. And, 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 and so my desire to speak fully yielded to the Spirit today. And so here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go to John 14. The title of the message is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. The Way, The Truth, and The Life. New Year's, new sight today, new heart today we have in Christ to hear to understand our eyes are blessed to see and our ears are blessed to hear and our heart understands the truth of the way, the truth and the life. Let's go to John 14. Context is very important. So take note of the context. This is about to be his departure right before his him laying down his life as a kernel of of um, corn to fall to the ground and die so that we will live only through him. Uh, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. How do you not let your heart be troubled? You believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Who is he? Who is Jesus? Is he separate from the Father? No. He is one with the Father. And here he'll tell us, he'll tell Philip later on, if you've seen me, you see the Father. Yet here he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is the word made flesh. This word is God himself that walked in the midst of us and demonstrated to us who the Father is. Believe his word. Believe Jesus. As you believe in God, your heavenly Father, believe in the word that he sent forth to heal you and I, to bring forth a reconciliation unto our heavenly Father. This is how not let our hearts be troubled. How do we not let our hearts be troubled in this troublesome world? How do we let our heart be still and inclining to our Heavenly Father? By receiving His instruction, by receiving His word of edification, by receiving His word of comfort. Who brings forth the word of comfort? The Holy Spirit that He's left behind shortly after this moment after his death, after his descent down to the pit of hell and defeating powers and principalities, he arose again by the power of the Holy Ghost and walked earth and walked earth and walked earth for 40 days and ascended on high 
and sat down on that consecrated seat through the blood of Christ. He sat down on that heavenly throne. And after 10 days, on the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit was given to us so that we will today hear this word afresh, the Holy Spirit, to hear the word afresh, not to let our hearts be troubled, but to believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. In my Father's house, amen. This is just one verse I just touched on. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, if it were not so, has Jesus ever said a lie? Has the word of God ever lied? He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. A place is prepared for you. You're set for a prepared place. You're made for a prepared place. Why would you trouble yourself? Preparations are under hand. Even right now as I speak, for your moment tomorrow, a preordination of glory divine, a life set on course for God. Why worry now? Why fret now? He says, if it was not so, I would not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's heaven, Desi. Yes, but we walk in works already finished. My life and your life have been predestined to glorify the living God. Every moment of our life, of our very existence, the Lord has called forth. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They're not to tarnish you, nor malign you, but they are to give you a good future, a good outcome. Plans established before the foundations of the world. So why worry? Why worry? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I'll come again. He's coming again. I'll come again. I'll come again, Jesus says. Live like he's coming again. Live believing that which he says. Because I'll come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, and this is it, and where I go, you know, where I go, you know, and the way you know. What confidence he knows. What confidence he has, I better said, in that which he has demonstrated to us. So that which he has demonstrated to us, who is the Father, because he's come to show us the Father, he came to only say that which the Father says. He came to only do that which the Father does. And he's so assured that he did exactly the full assignment the Lord, the Father God, sent him forth to do. He's so assured that he fully demonstrated that which he was to demonstrate in order for them now to know, to know where he's going, to know the way. Think about it. So on his end, 
on the end of Jesus, no failure, no fault can be found. It says, where I go, you know, so assured of that which is laid down was to be fully understood. And there was an enablement to fully understand. And the way, you know, but here Thomas, carnal mind, carnal mind. Oh, Thomas says to him, how often we can do this? Lord, we do not know. We do not know where you're going. Why would one say that? Because we want the A, B, C. So in five minutes, you're going to do this. In another 10 minutes, you're going to do that. Checklist, checklist. We are. The carnal man hates the movement of the spirit. Hates the movement of the spirit. Why? Because to be led by the spirit requires a full mortification of carnality. And that's why in Romans 8, the word says, Paul tells us that the spirit was given to mortify this outer man. To lead us into this death so we can fully live. And so Thomas says, Lord, we do not know. My head doesn't know Jesus. Forget about what you've shown to me. How quickly we can forget. How quickly we can take the trouble of the moment. How quickly we can revert from understanding with our spirit man what he just said to us. He said to us, if this is not true, I'll tell you so. Thomas just heard Jesus said, <laughs> what did Jesus say? I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. If I go and I prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. Where I am there, you may be also in where I go, you know, and the way you know. He said, if it were not so, I would, I would have told you so. Lack of belief. Is the problem. It's why we trouble ourselves with many cares. It's why we get so busy, busy like Martha, like Martha, busy, busy in serving. Because, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? How can we know the way? This is it. To every corner question you have to Jesus, this is the answer right back. How, when, where, would I ever, maybe never? Jesus said to them, I am the way. Who is the way? Who is the way to your way out? Who is the way of your escape out? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The living word. Oh, Jesse, back to reading the Bible. I don't like reading the Bible. Bible, Bible. Yeah. Yeah. As simple and as, a prof as profound as it is, read your Bible with the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives you. Don't read like Thomas read those words that were spoken to him. How? I don't get it. It never worked for me. What do you mean I know? I don't know. Oh, I'm born again? Really? 
I don't feel any different. Carnal perceptions. We are born of the Spirit. We are of the Spirit. We've been fathered again through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to a living hope, a, a life eternal that never perishes. He, Jesus, is the way of life. He is the way out of this carnal mindset. He is the truth. The truth, the word of God made flesh is the truth. And he is the life. You want to live life, you live in Jesus. You want to experience life, you get to know him in his word. You get to know him. Singularity of focus. We're so distracted. We are all over the place. And yet Jesus says, I'm the way. <laughs> the only way. Only one thought. Not many scattered thoughts. One way. One truth in one life. He's, Jesus said to them, back to verse 6, says to him, to Thomas, doubting Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And before we just say it's only Thomas had this trouble, Philip, Philip lines up with Thomas in this moment. Let's keep on reading. Jesus continues, if you had known me, if you had known me, if you had known him, you would have known my father. How would I get to know my father, God? I, I hear it all the time. I've said it myself. And I get idle on my prayer chair. I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God. And here comes the Holy Spirit and locates me in the Word. Locates me back to this very moment. If you had known me, Jesus said, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Do you see the word? Do you see the word standing before you speaking to you? Do you see the word speaking? Or do you just hear and see little, little letters on the page like Thomas? Or do you see? Eyes be open to see him in the middle of the scripture, standing at the center of the candle, the candlestick, moving in out of your life. Life, living life in you and through you. Philip said to him, Lord, he just said, Jesus said, if you have seen me, past tense. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. P Philip says, Lord, show us the father. And it's sufficient for us. This, this, this is what, this is what false humility sounds like. Uh, false humility is, I don't believe the words. But I'm going to pretend I really believe the words. I just want a little bit of an explanation to exactly what you said, Jesus. 
Show me the Father and it's sufficient. Just this one little thing. Not realizing this one little thing totally rebuttals that which he said. Has totally come against the truth of what Jesus just said. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I find myself in this Philip and Thomas conversations with God and... Um, Instead of just coming openly at the very beginning, Lord, I really don't believe you. I, I don't believe in this moment, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the carnal moment. The circumstances overwhelm me. I'll go and say, one more glimpse of you, Jesus. One more glimpse of you, Jesus. Sufficient. It's sufficient. One more glimpse of you, Jesus. One more encounter with you, Jesus. Give me one more word, Jesus. How about I repent for not believing him? How about I face myself with the ability? Maybe two days in a row I was so busy I failed to be in the word. Maybe a whole week went by and I really did not press in the spirit. Maybe my conversations that morning were so worldly and carnal and my mind, my thoughts were all over the place. No, it's never the issue with Jesse. But God, one more glimpse of you. And because of his mercy, there he is. But really, we know him. If we have seen him in the word, we've seen the Father. Look at Jesus' response back. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? This is, this is it. This is the truth. Do you not believe is the question back to you and I. Desi. Oh, and how often. Huh? Anyone that knows me, one of the things I always share is the, 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 the most common statement that I hear from the Lord is, do you trust me now? Do you trust me now? Do you trust me now? And as soon as he says, I'm, I'm I catch myself, oh my, I failed to believe him. When he demonstrates such lavishness of mercy, such great kindness, such a, a reception of who I am, an acceptance and an adoration of me, myself, I know the love of God. I have experienced the love of God. And yet here I catch myself one more time hearing him say the very, the very statement he said to Philip, do you not believe? Do you not believe, Desi? And so today we say we believe God. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? This oneness that we have with God, that God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that we now as part of the body of Christ are in him.
is a key revelation of stability in this hour. That as, as the Father was in Jesus, and really further down in John, uh, Jesus speaks, uh, speaks of it, of the oneness that they have with the Father, him and the Father, and, and that oneness now resides within us. I have, I have spoken it so often, I'm not going to go read it, but it, it just if you read the next couple of um, chapters, three chapters in John, there it, there it will be. But this is a key revelation, oneness. Because look how he brings it about. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? What is the context of the message? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oneness. One way, one way, which is one truth, which is one life. No separation between the way, the truth, and the life. They're not three separate. It's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is this distinctness, and yet they're one. The way the truth and the life one Jesus it's found in one Jesus seek him alone seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you don't seek the multitude of needs you have and desires to fulfill seek the one true God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, and they've taken abode in you. They've taken residence in you, and you through this new birth are born from above. You live where they live, and they live where you live. There is no separation. So when the mind wants to bring forth a separation, like we see with Thomas and Philip, a carnal understanding of Christianity will not take you anywhere into sheer frustration you will go because you want to reason and isn't what Jesus told the Pharisees why you reason among yourself actually to his own disciples says why you reason at, at the um, do you not understand the miracle of the multiplication of bread Jesus to his disciples says why you reason among you do you not understand and in Mark, we see Jesus looking at that, in that context, the moment is that there, the, the disciples' hearts were hardened. A hardened heart equals carnal reasoning. Because a hardened heart refuses to humble before the living God. No, I have a better idea. No, the world has information for me to glean from. No, God, I got to live my own little carnal life. And when I get in trouble, maybe I'll call on you because then I'm going to blame you. You didn't take care of me, Jesus. It's not working. It's not working. Well, yeah, because you tried to work your only religious system. It's not working. Yeah. Saucy, Desi. We want to grow up. We want to grow up and discern of the Spirit. That there is only one way, only one truth, and only one life. How extreme and yet liberating it is. And I tell you, when you endeavor to move into this press of faith, as that woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garments and was made whole, what did Jesus 
relate? How did he uh, speak back to a daughter? Your faith has made you whole. This press of faith is always against the grain of popular opinion. It becomes, becomes a very narrow, singular lane. You travel down, and before you know, there's no one around you. Because chit-chatting in this hour will not do it. Because sharing your little moment of frustration with another one's flesh will not cut it. Only one way. Only one way. And really that is the way of the cross. <laughs> Here we go. The way of the cross. The lay down servant. The lay down life. But the biggest fight of faith is you laying down your life. Not my way, your way, Lord. So I can fully live in this way of yours, Father. So I can fully live in your truth in your life. It's worth it. It's worth it. To hear him say at the end of your moment, well done, good and faithful servant. Well pleased with the Father. To live life pleasing solely him. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let's finish this portion. Back to 10 in chapter 14 of John. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak, this is it. This is, this is really a clarification of what he said at the beginning of 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. So here we have a, an explanation of a sort. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. When you believe on Jesus, you believe on God. There's no separation. Because Jesus says, the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, the Father who dwells in me, do you have this confidence today? To say as Jesus said, because really our identification is to be the living Christ. Because Romans 8.29 tells us that we are being conformed to the image of the firstborn son. My reality is Jesus. Yes, yes, through, through, through Thomas and Philip, I can identify a carnal mind that wants to speak back to Jesus. But what do I do? I silence it. I reckon it dead and I go back to the words of Jesus. I believe you, Lord. You and the Father are one. And the words I read through this precious word, they're the very words of the Father. This is when I see these words of life, I see my heavenly Father. I get to know God. I get to know the way, the truth, and the life. And in these moments, there's such inspiration. But, you know, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, reign the carnal mind and trust the living God. 
The words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority. And later on, we'll see the Holy Spirit says, Jesus regarding the Holy Spirit will say the same thing, that the words the Holy Spirit speaks to you are the very words of Jesus, the very words of the Father. The Father who dwells in me does the works. Do you have this confidence? The Father in me, he does the works. So why glory? Why glory in my own self? Why glory in another human vessel? Yes, we bestow honor on those God uses. Yes, we bestow honor. Really, it is the Father in us who is to do the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Let's go to... um, the end of John, the other moment of Thomas, John 20. This wanting proof to believe, this Greek mindset of logic. Actually, on the way there in, um, if we look at um, Pilate, where is Pilate's account? When Jesus says to him, I took note of it this morning, I actually read it, John 18, 38. What the carnal Greek mind sounds like, dismissive of the living word of God. John 18, 30, where is it? Let's go to, this is Jesus in Pilate's court being questioned and um, let's see let's go 33 better context Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him are you the king of the Jews questioning and you know it's a valid question because this is his moment are you the king of the Jews and Jesus answered him Are you speaking for yourselves about this? Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Is this your heart question, or you're just parroting someone else's question? And that really, I've I've heard the Lord, the Lord speak that to me. Are you asking because you want to inquire, because you or because you overheard someone else's conversations, and you want to meddle in other situations that not for you, Desi? Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Don't look for him in the middle of the world. Don't look for the divine wisdom of God through the fallenness of the world because his kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to be the Jews, to, would have not delivered me to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So taking up arms to fight is not what Jesus would recommend. We have a spiritual battle that we are to conquer. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? 
And this is a Jesus answer. Do you say rightly that I am a king? You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. Mm. That I should bear witness to the truth. He says, I am the truth. That I should bear witness to the truth. He is the word made flesh. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Do you hear his voice when you hear his truth? Because his sheep, they know his voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. Does the world turn you off, or does it entice you Then there is an issue? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Look at Pilate's response. This is, this is it. This is what the Greek mindset is. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Whatever. It's all relative. So when we read the Bible, don't read the Bible with a dismissive attitude. Oh, he's just one way of many ways. What is truth? On what authority do you speak, Jesus, that you are the truth? Faith is required. Faith is required. A trusting heart is required. And so this is right into now Thomas's moment in John 20. After Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension, Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came, did not see him at that moment. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I'll not believe. How grieving, really, as I'm reading it now. He's saying, I want to see him re-crucified. I want to see where those nails went. I don't believe what I saw. Him on the cross. Proof to me. Proof to me that nails actually went in his hand. I want to touch that. They don't believe he's resurrected. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas, Thomas with him, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you, our supernatural Jesus. Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at this mercy. Look at this mercy. Reach your finger here and, and look at my hands and reach your hand there and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. Do not be looking for signs. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God, what conviction. I'm sure he did not put his, at least the word doesn't say that he actually did do that. But what we know the word says is this conviction of acknowledgement of Jesus being Lord and God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, 
you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What am I saying? Why am I reading this in light of what I just read in John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because really, we can't turn around and resort to our carnal senses to really understand what Jesus is saying to us. Which way? Which truth? Which scripture do I stand on, Jesus, for this moment? Or Philip saying, one more glimpse, one more encounter. Let's have a moment of prayer for one more encounter of Jesus. It's sufficient for you to just show us one more time who you are. And Jesus, to the carnal mindset, he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The fight of faith is to really not resort to your outer man. And to know the only thing you do with the outer man is you lay him down. You pick up the cross. Let's go to Mark. You pick up the cross. You forsake all of your carnal understanding and you follow the way. You follow the truth and you follow life himself so you may live. Let's see Mark 8 in the maybe 30 something. 34. But look at what right before what happened right before this. Again, context. It's Peter confessing Jesus the Christ and and um, receiving the revelation of the Lordship of Jesus. And then shortly after that, when Jesus talks about the crucifixion, then Peter rebukes Jesus. And let's see. Let's start 31. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So this is hitting someone's head and this moment is going to be Peter's head. The one that just received revela revelation. Peter saying in verse, well, let's see, 29. He said, Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are the Christ, revelation knowledge. And right after that, we have the next moment of Jesus teaching, teaching them about the, 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 the Son of Man must be rejected and, and, and crucified and after three days rise again. He spoke this openly, this verse 32. He spoke this op word openly. Then Peter, Peter, the one that just said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the anointed one, you're the one that we've been waiting for. You are the way to the Father. You are the rescuer of our nation, Israel. You are the one that Isaiah wrote about. <laughs> Carnal mind always wants to exalt above revelation knowledge. And take, seize the moment, seize the moment 
to lord over he spoke the word Jesus spoke the word openly peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples he rebuked peter saying get behind me satan get behind me satan the carnal mind is the biggest enemy that's what Satan uses against you, your carnal understanding. Desi, you know I gotta do this. You know, Desi, I gotta be a responsible human being. Desi, blah, blah, blah. be led of the Spirit. Submit your mind to Christ. Submit your mind to the Word of God. Get behind me, Satan, for you are what? What? You are mindful of the you, for you are not mindful. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. A carnal, rational mind is mindful of the things of man, the things of the world, what works best in the world. How do I go? How do I get ahead in the world? How to get rich in the world? How to advance my agenda in the world. Because Jesus dying was not going to advance Peter's agenda for a Roman takeover, buddy. What do you mean you're going to die? We're not done with you. What explodes your moment? You're the miracle worker, Jesus. Look at the multitudes. We need the multitudes to take over Rome. Our own little ways. And that which you set you in your way is where the word of life hits you. And in that moment, you can choose to crucify the thought or to rebuke your master. And that's when you say, really? You're the only way? The only truth? Really? The life? And though we don't really mean it when we actually analyze it in a sense of wanting to really say it back. But we are saying it back to Jesus. Not your way, Jesus. Let me work my little way for a moment. He's, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And so... I'll finish off right here with the next moment. I just wanted to give context. So here, right after that, when he had, verse 34, when he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, this is what it looks like to be mindful of the things of God. Whoever desires to come after me. <laughs> yeah. Let him deny himself. And his methodologies of doing life. And his ways of getting along. And his little truth that has taken him or her this far. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Mortify that old mind. That old structure of thought. Oh, it's a lifelong journey. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated with yourself. But keep on recognizing these moments where you're rebuking your master. Where you're coming against his way. Where you're coming against the truth. When you're coming against lie that you so desire. 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow the word of the Father. For they are one. Follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. And he says, for what profit is it? If a man gains the whole world and loses his very own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and my words, which is truth, ashamed of truth. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. So you choose to side on the side of the adulterous and sinful generation and deny your Lord. No, not I, Desi. Well, if we are ashamed of him, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. With the holy angels. And I, I just have to finish with Philippians because the purpose of picking up your cross, the purpose of denying your life, that's not the end sentence to your life. It's so you can enter into life. So you can live this resurrection life. So you can enter in this newness of understanding of the way of the Spirit. So you hear when he says to you, come unto me, child. So you hear the instruction in your midnight hour. So you trust your living God. And this is um, Philippians. And I'll break it down next time. But I just, I have to finish with this. This is Paul's heart. This is how the Apostle Paul lived. He said, mm, chapter 3, verse 8. Actually, verse 7. Verse 7. For what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Picked up my cross. I denied myself. I denied myself. What a statement for the Apostle Paul. His life mission of Pharisee of Pharisees. He gives his accolades just above it. A Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, the beloved Benjamin. Rachel's youngest one. Joseph's beloved little brother. The one that Jacob treasures not when I let him go to Egypt. Benjamin of that tribe of preciousness. What is precious to you? How precious is your heritage today? Let it go to attain to him. That he be your heritage. That he be your inheritance. Uh, what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost, all things as lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. 
It's into that which you know and you put your confidence in. It's not about you quitting your job right now. It's about you taking inventory. What system do you trust in your mind? What have you exalted above the knowledge of God? That is what you bring down. You bring it down, that old mindset of providing for oneself, of, of being your master. Because you have now laid down your life. Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Count them as rubbish, nothing. That I may gain Christ. That I gain this way, this truth, this life. The way, the truth, and the life. To gain Him. The one that left eternity behind and came to demonstrate the goodness of our Heavenly Father. The Messiah. That Peter said, you are the Messiah. He had turned around shortly after that statement and rebuked Jesus. Headiness. Come down from that lofty place. Submit to the living God. Verse 9. So, uh, Again, eight finishes, I may know that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, my own little way of doing things to make me right. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law of do good. Check the boxes. Be perfect externally. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, this is it, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. To attain from the resurrection from the dead. And actually, I looked at that word attain from the resurrection from the dead. And that is the Greek strong. 2658. So I may come down to and reach that I may, and, and uh, the explanation for this word to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Come down either from a high land to lower or actually to the sea coast or from the high seas to the coast. Hence, met, meaning I arrive at, reach my destination. <laughs> I come down, descend by inheritance to an heir. Um, the word origin, well, actually, I'll skip that part, but Definition to come down, to reach, arrive, attain, come, to reach. And so what is it saying? My final destination is this life unlimited. Life that is free from the shackles of death. Life that is from above. Life of resurrection, might, and power, and dominion. How do I attain it? By laying down my life. By conforming to his death so I may live. And that is the way, the truth, and the life. My message is done for today. Amen. <laughs>